0: special and what else is special about it this is our 200th
1: episode that cannot be true and why is it true as that's really my question
0: because you put numbers on these things and that's what the script says so there with me tonight uh darren how you doing
1: i'm doing all right man i'm excited it's this we're gonna get to lot tonight and it's it's something that's been sitting around for a while and uh, this is going to be maybe the i think this is the best idea we've ever had well, which is not saying a whole lot no
0: but again this is our holiday special because thanksgiving's coming up it and is. there is something that uh we're both a little thankful for also joining us tonight for the first time in quite a while mark how well, you doing man welcome back buddy hey thank you
2: well you know what can i say um had a baby well i didn't personally have a baby my wife did and uh in that time i have seen some
0: things (laughs) yeah you you you, you can see it in your eyes uh a little little different okay well um as darren said uh, we got something big to get to um but before we do that um I know Darren usually usually handles this part, but uh, does anyone have any questions?
1: Oh yeah, I have a question, Gary. I, I have a question. Uh, yes. Well, but first as we approach this most joyous of seasons, let me take this moment to extend the warmest of holiday greetings to all my brothers in the panel scanners, and to all of those who enjoy our program. I hope you don't mind this briefest of interludes, but the spirit of the season compels me.
0: Your greetings are received with the warmth and joy of the season, my friend. Allow me to speak for all in brevity when I wish you and yours the same.
1: Hold on. To your question. Uh, we could have You could have met Hannah. Oh. Maria's, like, just walked in.
2: Bummer. Next time. Next what? time.
1: You just missed her <laughs> by, like, a minute. Well, had a question. Let's hear it. Yes, uh, Gary. Uh, just yesterday, I found myself in position to partake in a piece of pumpkin pie. The delectable treat gave me pause to wonder, not just pumpkin pie, but why pumpkins in general are often featured as a fixture in the history of, or perhaps more accurately, the myth about the first Thanksgiving.
0: (laughs) Yes, I see. The myth. A fine way to expound on the topic. Of course, you are in no doubt aware of the myth of the first Thanksgiving is of far darker origin than a paradoxically accepted feast of friendship. In fact, most historians and theologians concur that the feast was more of an act of mercy, on the part of the native americans as the colonists were led to folly by their own hubris ill prepared to survive off the land
1: yeah so many find inscrutable the notion that was the pilgrims who served the native americans but the native americans providing sustenance the pilgrims needed to avoid starvation but to the pumpkins
0: uh, I- indeed the idea that the pilgrims fed the native americans is absurd enough but often depicted as a pilgrim providing pumpkin pie even serving slices to the Native Americans. A ludicrous notion. It's very unlikely that pumpkins were present at all by the time the feast is accepted to have occurred as they would have been out of season. Yet the pumpkin endures as an artifact the populace retains as a symbol of the holiday.
1: As I understand your point, the pumpkin serves as a non-spoken affectation one uses to present their bounty. Yet, historically, the pumpkin at the event is a misnomer.
0: In a manner of speaking, yes. Yet, I feel dutiful in pointing out that, however we arrived at what is now commonly accepted as the Thanksgiving holiday, perhaps the spirit of a holiday is what matters most, forgetting all of our troubles, being thankful for that which we often take for granted.
1: Most assuredly, my friend. Might I offer thanks for giving me clarity on the topic. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it was fun watching Mark wonder what the hell was going on
2: I'm just going to say thank Gord that was over
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Oh
1: my gosh, that was great Lots
0: of fun to be had tonight Yep But first, while we were away News from the world So, Disney's latest superhero flick, The Marvels Never uh, brought in around forty-seven million dollars at the domestic box office in its weekend debut, marking the worst domestic weekend debut in Marvel franchise history. Uh, why that matters? Uh, the film's poor performance is yet another sign of superhero and comic book fatigue hitting theater goers as pressure for profits increase at major entertainment companies. The Marvels reportedly cost two hundred twenty million to produce and a why? hundred and why? million to market. Whoa. <laughs> but it didn't come close to hitting initial projections. The movie was initially expected to bring in roughly eighty million domestically, nearly double its actual domestic debut. It brought in just sixty-three million internationally, bringing its worldwide gross sale to one hundred and ten million in its first weekend. Yeah, uh, yes, sir. You have a question?
1: I have another question, Gary. I hope you don't mind. This one's not as scripted. Um, okay. Scripted? This, what are you talking about? Right. This is. This thing's over, right? I mean, I know Phil's not here to a, to like basically convince us everything's great and the Marvel MCU will never die and everything's wonderful and he'll try to convince us he hasn't watched the movies or whatever. But it's 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 over. It's 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 flatlining at this point, right? I mean, How could it not might be, be it?
0: much? I I don't think it's ever going to hit the heights it was. But <laughs> there's so much content they can tap into.
1: But they, I mean, if they're ever they're going to, it's time to at least. There's got to be some sort of you got to miss it, right? They got to take a break now, right? They got to because like no <laughs> well, one's excited for these things anymore, are they? They need to recalibrate badly. Yeah. Well, it didn't help them that they decided to go with the main villain, someone they can't even use anymore. That that. <laughs> from
0: what I hear, and I've not watched it yet, the uh, Loki season two finale was magnifique Oh, good for them. L- l- like genre-defying, almost. So since we are in the Thanksgiving season, um, Marvel's, for being as uh, poor performing as it was, is feeling thankful because the new trailer for Madam Web just debuted. So they'll only have to have this prestigious title for another year or so until the new monarch is chosen. And Madam Web is thankful because rumors have been swirling online for the past month that Marvel Studios is developing a fifth Thor movie. But that Taika Waititi, who directed the last two chapters in the blockbuster series, is not involved.
1: Well, see, he knows when to jump ship.
0: Literally the figuratively. Director notes that he is currently working on a big screen adaptation of the graphic novel The Inkal. Inkal? And is continuing to develop his highly anticipated Star Wars movie. Uh, Waititi says he has no ill feelings towards Marvel. And if the studio wants to make another Thor movie without him,
1: uh, more power to them. Well, speaking of Marvel... Uh, they're gonna keep on going, and if there is one property still out there that they haven't gotten right, I think we can maybe say it was the Fantastic Four, considering the Roger Corman version from the nineteen nineties is still the best version of the Fantastic Four, and oh, like, they I may remember have with you in college. Oh here. my god, <laughs> uh, who knew we would get three more Fantastic Four movies? None of them nearly as enjoyable as that one. Um, find the documentary about the making of that movie it's amazing um Pedro Pascal the Mandalorian amongst other things uh like Saturday Night Live appearances apparently he's not got much else going on well he's going to be Reed Richards (coughs) I know this bursts the bubble for a lot of people who were hoping for Martin Short I was among them but it's going to be Reed Richards um or it's going to be Pedro Pascal this is not going to be the guy from the office John Krasinski which a lot of people thought it was going to be him I thought he made an appearance as Reed he Richards. was he was
2: Reed Richards in a uh, multiverse of madness. So okay, we well he's, that was a done deal.
1: Well, yeah, it looks like it's not going to be him. But Gary, there's more Marvel. So, so, so Pedro is a a, a for sure. Uh, that is uh, dead. Everyone's reporting deadline. Deadline. Everyone's reporting it right now that uh, he's eyeing the role, which is the dumbest oh, thing I've ever seen okay, in my life. Never, but uh, it looks like uh, it's it, from I mean, what, no. from what I understand, it's pretty much a done deal. Okay. <laughs> also, I really don't care. Um, because it's not Martin Short, so why bother? But right. anyway, Gary?
0: All right, well, uh, Marvel Comics is going to be putting out uh, a new series featuring a couple of swingers.
1: <laughs>
0: the uh, superstar creators Greg Wiseman and Umberto Ramos team up for an all-new Spidey series in March starring both Peter Parker and Miles Morales. Marvel is launching Spectacular spider man number one on March 6th by... Again, Weissman and Ramos. Weissman, known for writing the beloved animated Spectacular Spider-Man animated series and creating Gargoyles, returns with the web-slinging drama and adventure that made Spectacular Spider-Man a fan-favorite series. So he was the creator? Yeah, he was the creator and
2: showrunner of Spectacular Gargoyles. Uh, He was involved in the first season of Rebels and Young Justice is his too.
1: Okay, Woo. I know he's a
0: uh,
2: fan fi- of Phil.
0: <laughs> that is some pedigree right there. He's got good chops. <laughs> so did he have anything to do with this next uh, gargoyle story? Uh, yeah, well,
2: uh, I don't think he's currently involved in it, but uh, I am super happy to report that a new gargoyle series is coming to Disney+, Plus, reportedly live action. Uh, I guess Gargoyles Animated has been doing very well on streaming numbers, So uh, the series will be produced, written, and run by Gary Dauberman, who is known for writing horror films such as It, Annabelle, and executive produced by James Wan, who we know for Saw, Insidious, The Conjuring, and of course, Aquaman. So no matter how you feel about those individual properties, the two together worked in a similar capacity on DCU's Swamp Thing, which I loved. So there's hope. And, yeah and let's let's just say going for a gothic horror style is not a bad move for gargoyles no but this all hinges on one thing for me do i get keith david as goliath
0: oh so just the voice acting is gonna make or break it for you
2: you know it's gonna be a lot of things i can recast but goliath's kind of iconic for me so it'd be like having optimus prime telling me this is the definitive prime and not having peter cullen
0: is jonathan franks involved
2: Not that
1: I've heard of. Uh, Mark, CJ and I are about uh, halfway through season one. Oh, yeah? Yeah. All right. Moving on. Uh, Moving on to Darren. Something I wished into existence. uh, A Disturbance in the Force. Uh, That is the documentary about the making of the Star Wars holiday special from 1979, for more on that, see Mark's holiday special from two years ago, right, Mark, where he Enjoy documented my pain. it. Yeah, he watched <laughs> it, so you don't have to. Um, but uh, this thing's started getting screenings all over the place, none of which are uh, near us. But uh, the, and some they're they're sold out everywhere. It's it's getting <coughs> just absolutely stunning reviews. But word came, and I checked this earlier today, and I think this is an announcement that was happening earlier today. It is now coming to Digital and Home Video on December 5th. Oh, my gosh, what I would love to have a screening for this. This feels like it's going to be the most fun thing to watch of all time. I, I can't wait to see behind the scenes on this travesty. We might have to see if there's a way we can do one of those watch party things for this, Mark. Um, that would be amazing. That Where's would be... You-
0: you did realize you'll have to watch the Christmas special before you can watch the making of I like, I barely remember the Christmas special.
1: Uh, I suggest you just go back and listen to Mark's retro review. <laughs> That's probably the best way to consume this thing. And I would say the second best way to consume this thing is probably the disturbance in the forest film. Once again, December 5th, I could not be more excited for this to come out. I, Oh, come on, man. This is good. This this may be the greatest documentary. If anything in history needed to come out and be documented, this is it.
0: And that's going to be uh, streaming on what?
1: I don't you know. Said? This says it's coming uh, to streaming your home video.
0: Okay, I didn't know if this was something you had to pay for. If it was probably, no or... I would
1: assume yes. I will buy the Blu-ray. If that's what, it, what that, that's what wow. it calls for.
0: Okay. <laughs> well, speaking of something free, uh, Skybound will release an Energon Universe special for Free Comic Book Day, twenty twenty-four featuring the characters of Transformers, G.I. Joe, and Void Rivals. Energon Universe 2024 special will feature three brand new stories set in the shared universe of Skybound's comics. According to the senior vice president, uh, publisher of Skybound, one of the stories stars the baddest Decepticon of them all. Uh, Thus, it's more than likely focuses on the Decepticon's leader, Megatron. So far, he's yet to show up in the present-day events of the monthly Transformers comic book, only appearing through flashbacks in Transformers 2. Uh, Given that the three main Energon universe properties will be in the book, however, the robots in disguise won't be the only characters on display. There will also be stories based around the G.I. Joe property and the series Void Rivals. The former is a fellow Hasbro franchise like Transformers, with the two many times being linked through comics and cartoons in the past. On the other hand, Void Rivals is a completely original franchise owned by Skybound, whereas the publisher merely has the comic book rights to Transformers and G.I. Joe. Uh, Beforehand, said rights belong to IDW Publishing. The Energon Universe 2024 special will feature an all star roster of talent, including Skybound founder Robert Kirkman, uh, Daniel Warren Johnson, Joshua Williamson, Lorenzo De Felici, and Ryan Otley, the latter of whom worked in the comic book series Invincible with Kirkman. Along with the aforementioned <coughs> Void Rivals and Transformers, the Energon Universe is set to expand in December 2023 and January of 2024 with the launch of Duke and Cobra Commander. These books will set up the rise of both G.I. Joe and rival organization Cobra, taking the battle away from the Autobots and Decepticons for a more human
1: perspective. So Void Rivals is a new property, and they're joining up with G.I. Joe and Transformers. This this kind of reminds me of the old Ric Flair days where he was give, give the new guy a rub just by showing up.
0: Yeah, well, that's how they launch Void Rivals is like issue one, you know, jet is in there. And then every issue since, there's been some Quintesson or other Decepticon appearance. You know, so they're, you know, definitely, uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Uh, When you bring in celebrities. uh, Cameos or? Yeah, cameo is not what I was looking for, but that's basically it, yeah. So, yeah, they're trying to show you that this is all connected. Guest
2: stars. You know, like Spider-Man or Iron Man in every 80s comic in Marvel. (laughs) But yeah, I just finished actually reading the IDW run and uh, hoping this turns out better because that really went to hell when they brought in G.I. Joe, Micronauts, Mask, Visionaries. They tried to load in
0: every Marvel property out there and it just, oh. And that was for like some sort of like Unicron crossover or something, wasn't it? It was horrible. Oh. Yeah, I picked out that Unicron series. It was, it was a nice twist, but yeah, it was not... Too much. Yeah.
1: Well, from one thing to another, and you know what, Phil still wouldn't get that segue. Um, The Masters of the Universe movie, which is a story I was just about as sick of as reporting on as Henry Cavill is or is not Superman. Speaking of which, I won't believe Henry Cavill's not Superman until he's James Bond. Because at that point I would say, okay, he's probably not Superman anymore, unless he shows up in James Bond as Superman. I mean, Harrison Ford gets to be Indiana Jones and Han Solo. But if Henry Cobble gets to be Superman and James Bond, I think that kind of trumps it. Um,
0: at the same time, you know, he gets shot and just brushes it off.
1: And by the way, I will... for what, If he does become James Bond forever, I would say, why is he worried about getting shot? I will not be able to stop myself. Whatever. But anyway, Masters of the Universe movie, apparently happening one again. It, they spent something like 30 to $60 million, 30 to $60 million at Netflix. To not make the movie. They could have made the movie for 30 to $60 million, okay? And it's going to be resurrected at Amazon, because why not? Uh, literally, this is the only property that somehow has not managed to make it to a live-action screen. Uh, and I don't understand, because Netflix did really, really well with the Kevin Smith uh, cartoon. And I guess that other CGI one was really, really popular for a while, Okay, I guess we'll see. Don't hold your breath, everybody, because you'd have been dead ten times over by this point. And here's a segue for you. Ready, Gary? I'm going to need your help here. <sighs> this is where uh, you ask me what's wrong. What's wrong? Well, Superman and Lois has been canceled. Yeah. In fact, they are already. They, I found out today through the Superman homepage they have deconstructed all the sets. So it's oh, not even like it's going to be resurrected and picked up elsewhere. We are going we to view this as, this. we're right. going to be very, this is going to be a, one of the biggest missed opportunities because Superman and Lois, that first 10 episodes of the first season were just absolutely amazing. And then it became a CW show. And then season two, they were going to use the Parasite. And up, I think, I, I read like a week before production began, they, so they, they, they were told they can't use them. So they had to rewrite everything. And it ended up being okay. Like, when you go in knowing, like, oh, yes, this person was absolutely supposed to be the Parasite. He, they, she has the powers um, of the Parasite. I haven't even seen Season 3 yet. But I, I said it before. I don't know how to pronounce the guy's name. Tyler Hoechlin or Heshlin or whatever. He, uh, I think he's the second greatest live-action Superman. Next to Christopher Reeve. I think this is going to be what-could-have-been really? situation. It was all sitting right there for him. And we're going to end up with, uh, hopefully, a good finale. But I know they cut the budget in half, so I'm not too optimistic about what season four is going to look like. And I really thought, uh, I can't remember her name. Mark, you'll know who it was who played Lois Lane. Uh, she was in a show you liked. I, it, uh, Tulek, she was on the Elis- rim, yeah. Elizabeth Tuluk Tulick, Fent- yeah. She had the, I think she could have been the definitive Lois Lane. She was that Hmm. good. I still think there's room for it. There's been great Lois Lanes. I still think there's room for the definitive Lois Lane. I am one that says we have our definitive Superman, but there could be a definitive Lois Lane still. And I think she had a shot to be that. Um, Gary? All right.
0: Well, in, uh, I guess, I want to say actual news that will affect people, uh, starting December 4th, you won't be able to read comics in Comixology app anymore. Beginning in December, the Comixology app won't work anymore. You'll have to read your comics in Amazon's Kindle app instead. Amazon announced that the apps will merge on December 4th, meaning that from that point on, you can continue to access your Comixology comics, graphic novels, and manga titles in the Kindle app. You will need to download any Comixology books you were reading into the Kindle app. But Amazon says that any progress in a book you read in Comixology will automatically sync over to Kindle. You can also continue to buy comics from Amazon's Comixology section on its store, but after December 4th, you won't be able to read comics in the
1: Comixology app anymore. And this may be sarcasm, it is, but this is why we still have published comics, because (laughs) they can't leave that thing alone.
0: Well... In an email, Amazon outlined some improvements to the Kindle app, intended to make it better suited to comics. Uh The app will will group together issues, uh, volumes, and omnibuses from the same series. You can also hide and unhide specific books. And any books you had set to hidden in Comixology app will be hidden in Kindle. Amazon announced that it would be acquiring Comixology back in 2014... And for a long time, it pretty much left the service alone. Mm-hmm. But last year, it redesigned the Comixology app and started a messy merger of Comixology and Kindle that was described as a hell I'd
1: like to escape. Remember how mad Phil was about that? Justifiably oh, yeah. so, by the way. <laughs> because we were trying to get We were getting ready to do it. wasn't uh, It was SSPS, and he's like, I can't read my comics. It's, the, the comic reader won't let you read comics. He was so mad. I felt bad for him. <laughs>
0: yeah. So and there's a reason I picked that one as my segue. Um, a hell I'd like to escape as someone who's been to Florida many many times and having to visit it. Uh Mark. <laughs> well, oh, actually, is... I'm sorry. This, that would be, be world. That would be world, not land.
2: <laughs> well, it, this actually affects everything. Um, Disney has been announcing that they're going to expand their theme park presence over the next decade in September they filed an uh, a document with the SEC outlining a $60 billion expansion plan across their global, their global park properties. Oh. So that covers Anaheim, Orlando, Paris, Shanghai, Hong Kong, and Tokyo, as well as cruise line expansions. But the way we understand it is that a good chunk of that is being reserved for the long-rumored Disneyland expansion in California. Uh, parks have grown by 6% per year regularly, hitting $32.3 billion in the last fiscal year of revenue. So Disney is jumping ship on the dying streaming service platform that I don't think they're going to get rid of Disney+, Plus, but they're definitely pumping less money into original content now. Did they, they Everybody jumped money? on that a few years ago, and it just has not been the cash cow they
0: imagined it would be did they get more property or they just like wiping out old stuff and reusing
2: uh they are wiping out old stuff in disneyland and in the other parks they have plenty of property because they actually planned ahead on those i mean the property disney owns in florida is something in the neighborhood of 44 square miles right (laughs) yeah
0: and i've walked over most of it (laughs) several times (laughs) all right all right, guys, let's get into the meat and potatoes of this episode. So a while ago, we came up with an idea. Uh, actually, I did. But, I mean, it wasn't really my original idea, but I'll take credit for it. So Hollywood has this nasty habit of remaking movies. Now, that would be really great if they remade bad movies and made them better. But they like to take ones that they should just keep their grubby little fingers off of. But what if... What if... We took one of these beloved movies, whatever they may be, and remade them using only The Muppets. So what we're going to do today is we're going to go through our 10 through 6 on a list of 10 of movies we would like to see remade, but only, and I mean only, if they were made using The Muppets. So, I will go through my 10 through 6, just to start us off. Now, there are just so many films that I came up with that would be interesting to see. But, on this end of the list, it's mostly because there's just certain scenes I want to see done. So, for my number 10 entry, you know what? I have a couple honorable mentions before we get into this. I'll make it quick. Jaws. I want to see Jaws remade with the Muppets, only because I want to see Animal as the shark in like arm with floaties <laughs> on his arm. Footloose. It just seems like it would be a fun movie. The Godfather, with the Swedish chef as Don. Michael Bay's Transformers double trilogy, just because I don't know what that would look like, and it, it's got to be better than what they put out. And Brain Candy the kids in the hall movie, but it has to be done in the same way in which the characters play multiple characters throughout the film. (laughs) Okay. My 10 through 6. Number 10, just for no other reason than the final shot of this film, the full Monty. (laughs) If you remember how that film Uh, ends... uh, If you remember how that film ends... I want that shot as a poster. Number nine, dirty dancing. If for no other reason than to see Kermit the Frog hoist Miss Piggy up over his head in the final dance scene. Number eight, (laughs) stand by me. It just seems like it would be a good movie. There's lots of travel. You could start it off with an older Kermit as the, as the film does, and you might be able to, I don't want to say de-age because, well, they're Muppets, but have younger versions of the Muppets as they're telling the story of their cross-country hike. Number seven, Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Can't exactly figure out who's going to be playing each role, but it's a fun movie, and I don't want to see that movie touched unless it's with the Muppets. And finally, my number six, Back to the Future. Again, this is another one I have a hard time placing who would be in what role because I'm kind of locked into the whole Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy as a couple thing. And when you start getting time travel in and blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's another movie they should just keep their hands off of unless
1: it's with the Muppets. Mark? Well, you set the bar high.
2: All right. Well, runner-ups didn't quite make it into my list. Um, Ghostbusters, because I couldn't figure out who would play who, but it would still be fun. Uh, (laughs) Fast and the Furious would be hilarious with Muppets. Uh, Taken as a, you know, Kermit the Frog trying to get Robin back. That would be awesome. (laughs) And, uh, I mean, the first Suicide Squad could only get better if it was populated by Muppets. Oof. So, launching into my 10 through 6... uh, my first one's actually not a movie. It's a TV series that I just finished watching. I want to see Cobra Kai remade with the Muppets. <laughs> because I believe all of the high school karate gang fights would just involve people throwing Muppets at each other across the screen. <laughs> <laughs> and that, that just makes me laugh every time I think of it. Um, number nine, Guy Ritchie's 2000 ensemble crime comedy, Snatch. And the only one I have pegged out on this, I know... There's a lot of room for everybody else, but I want Beaker as Brad Pitt's Pikey. Yeah. <laughs> um, number eight, uh, Disney's biopic of the making of Mary Poppins, Saving Mr. Banks, with Kermit as Walt, Miss Piggy as P.L. Travers, and I want this because I want Rolf and Dr. Teeth as the Sherman Brothers music writers. <laughs> that would just be amazing. Uh, number seven, Reservoir Dogs. Take oh. your pick. It doesn't matter who oh. plays who, but this would be hilarious. Oh my! Oh.
0: <laughs>
2: and uh, number six, one of my old school favorites, 1941, John Huston's directorial debut, *The Maltese Falcon*. Oh. I would love Kermit the Frog as Sam Spade. Piggy is Mary Astor's as Bridget O'Shaughnessy. Gonzo playing Peter Laurie's part of Joel Cairo, and Fozzie as Casper Gutman, aka the Fat Man.
1: <laughs> wow.
2: And I'm imagining the Maltese Falcon statue is actually a talking muppet
0: too. A little little tiny San Diego? No.
1: (laughs)
2: Oh my god, that's perfect, Gary.
1: (laughs) Before I begin my list here, uh, I just want to say (laughs) the odds are that one of us in the next couple of days, sitting around watching, flipping through channels—no one does that anymore—flipping through channels—but sees a movie. Like uh, on Netflix or something, it's gonna and go. Oh my god! Why didn't I think of that? It's about eighty-five to ninety percent, right? That we're gonna one of us is gonna sit down. I would go hundred. I I I agree. Okay, yes, you're probably right. Um, I only have one honorable mention because I spent so much time, um, thinking about I. I, For some of these movies, I went, uh, you know, exposition, rising action, climax, falling. I went the whole way. Um, the only one I have, Midnight Cowboy with Bunsen and Beaker. That's my only. Honorable mention. <laughs> My number 10 is I just want Fozzie Bear lip syncing to Eddie Murphy's Raw. <laughs> <laughs> My number 9 is Dr. glove. Picture Dr. Teeth in that famous scene riding the nuke, yelling yee haw as I'm going to explode an atom bomb, plays in the background. <laughs> My number eight is Lou Zealand and his boomerang fish in Scarface. Say hello to my little friends! <laughs> <laughs> my number seven is It Part One, a total do-over from the ni- 2017-2019 flaccid entry with the original Muppet Babies Saturday morning cartoon characters. With the Muppet Babies and their powers of imagination, there will be no It Part Two, as the 1719 remake Pennywise is easily defeated. Cut to a scene where the Muppet babies are having absolutely no trouble sleeping at all. If you wow. couldn't tell, I hated those two movies. Um, and my number six is Casablanca, an all Muppet cast with one actor. Humphrey Bogart's Rick Blaine will be played by Leslie Nielsen. This Ooh. in this and in then in the Muppets and Leslie Nielsen. What else do I need to say?
0: Man, that would have been. Not necessarily even that movie, but I'm. I'm uh, did, did we miss that pairing? I don't know Muppets if it. Ha-
1: I, I couldn't think. It, it I didn't, didn't happen in the original so. Muppet Show. There was Muppets Tonight. Unless it happened there, I'm kind of like, how did this never happen? It's like Sting versus the Undertaker. Well, how did this never happen?
0: Like I have a feeling like they used to like stop over his house every week for dinner or something. Oh, that's like got to be like it. I can't. Or... I can't envision
1: this never going down. Oh, oh, those are amazing. Well, wow. that's just the tip of the iceberg, right, guys? Oh, yeah.
0: Coming up uh, later this month, uh, we got our top five with a little a uh, little more in-depth uh, exploring. I can't wait. Oh, I'm I wish it were to... like
1: 10 minutes from now. I'm so excited.
0: Just, I mean, it, with your 10 through 6, I can't wait to see what your 5 through 1s are going to be. Yeah, Darren wins this round easily. Oof. And not only that, but we also have a special retroactive review by Darren.
1: Yeah, I'm taking a page out of Mark's book, uh, also called Stealing, Um, in that I'm not doing a comic series for the first time in 11 years of the podcast. I am doing The Muppet Christmas Carol from 1992, Jim Henson Productions, Walt Disney Pictures. You guys at least ever heard you're of it? smart
2: enough not to take a page out of my book and review something terrible
1: well I didn't go I i yeah that was I I saw <laughs> I saw the the wreckage I had to talk mark down from a ledge many times like mark you didn't have to watch this thing you know it was it was your choice um but I choose to be mark the martyr thank you yeah so yeah it was I can't wait this is so much fun wow yeah I'm looking forward
0: to this this is gonna be awesome I feel sorry the Phil missed it okay I'm over it All right. Well, until next time, uh, unless anyone else has anything else to throw in. All right. Until next time, enjoy your comics.